Isabel Amig from Unabridged MD, where my hope is to bring you hope. Um, today is a real pleasure to have on the show Dr. Dwayne Wood, who is an endocrinologist and a mindset life coach. Um, and um, let's uh, jump right in. And uh, Dr. Wood, would you mind introducing yourself so that everyone understands who you are? Sure, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, this is really a pleasure to be able to talk to you and to talk to your audience. Uh, and like you said, I'm, I'm an endocrinologist. I live in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, with my wife and son. And we have a traditional medical practice or a traditional endocrinology practice, in addition to a second practice that manages weight. Uh, and that's run by, by the other Dr. Wood, my wife. Um, I am... By training an endocrinologist, by training a pediatrician and an internist. So I did a combined residency in those two. And right now, my goal is really to just educate people beyond the disease. What I found is a lot of times the issues that people have centers around the disease, but there's so many other things that are going on in their lives that we really need to address if we're going to get good control for diabetes or fatigue or help them with their weight. And so my goal right now is really just to educate people, empower them and encourage them to take charge of their health. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. So accomplished. I think the pediatricians are such accomplished uh, physicians. So now you have both adult and uh, pediatrics. Impressive. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> so, you know, in rheumatology, uh, there's a lot of autoimmune disorder, as you know, and um, I would say that a lot of my patients, like the majority of my patients with rheumatologic disorder have an autoimmune disorder. Um, so how, how do you approach, for example, thyroid disease? Uh, how do you approach this in your practice? How do you make sure that you're going all the way deep into uh, what it means for the patient? Well, that's, that's a very good question. And, and often questions, patients come and they have similar questions. One, one of the things that, that I try to get away from is really just treating the disease kind of, a, a, you know, from the, from the hip. So the question that we have, and there are two things that we try to do whenever we're treating thyroid disease in particular, is we're trying to normalize their numbers, right? So biochemically, we want them to be normal. And then we're also trying to get them to feel better. So those are the two goals. And often it seems as though those goals are fighting against each other, uh, but they really are what we need to do. So the, my first thing is to educate the patient about thyroid disease. There are things that they're going to feel that if they understand what it is and what it means, then they don't panic and they don't worry. But if they don't know anything about the disease process itself and we're just giving them a pill, they go home and, oh, you know, their shoulder hurts or their leg hurts or they can't sleep well or they put on some weight. If they don't understand how that fits into thyroid disease, then it becomes a problem for them and it causes some distress. So the first thing we want to do is we want to educate the patient about thyroid disorders so they understand what is thyroid what comes from the thyroid and what doesn't come from the thyroid because there are other things that can cause similar problems. And then the, what I tell them is we're going to work to get these numbers in the normal range. And when we get them there, the, my part of the job actually is done, right? Because I've normalized you biochemically. Then your job begins because you get to say to me now, hey, Dr. Wood, I know this number is good, but I'm still feeling this. 
or I know you said that the thyroid levels are good, but I'm still having this. And now we begin working, not, not to fix the numbers, because that's already done. We st- now start working to figure out what else is going on. Maybe we do need to adjust the dose. Or maybe we need to give you a supplement. Maybe you need some vitamin D or some zinc or B12 or something else that's going on. Maybe you have sleep apnea that we need to treat that's causing you to be more fatigued. So kind of a holistic view of that patient, not just, okay, are the numbers good? And if they're good, okay, let's let's stop. Yeah, this is this is really what uh, uh, I call the unabridged uh, MD method. <laughs> like you are not just looking at one little thing. It's the whole uh, vision of the of the patient and, and in a way, the whole vision of the physician. I, I right. really see uh, us physician taking care, you know, fully of the mm-hmm. patient. Um, this is really uh, wonderful. So you mentioned, um, uh, or I mentioned that, that you are a life coach, uh, mindset uh, uh, coach. Um, how are you able to bring this into your practice? Because it's, wow. it's so important and I see it all of the time. Like I feel like we are, we should all be this <laughs> right, in addition right. to MD. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, years ago when I, when I was, when I first came out of fellowship, so we would go into a room and we treat patients. And, you know, we, when we're coming out of fellowship, we're so gung-ho, right? Because we're going to stomp out the diseases. I'm going to stop diabetes and thyroid. And, and so I came out and I had a very simplistic view of diabetes. Because I figured if I gave you medication, if you went home and you did what I told you, when you came back, everything was going to be great. And I quickly learned that people took medication and they may not take medication because something in their life happened. So mom got sick and I went to visit mom, but I left my medication at home. Or we're running back and forth to the hospital or we lost our job or I mean, so many other things were going on in their lives that have absolutely nothing to do with the disease. But if I kept just harping on the disease, the patient was frustrated. I was frustrated. We didn't get benefit from from anything. And sometimes that was not a good visit. And so I started to take a step back. And so when patients come to the office now and they think sometimes I'm joking, I said, Tell me what's going on in your life. I don't even start with the disease because I want to know, you know, Mrs. Jones comes in. What's actually going on in Mrs. Jones's life right now? Because that's going to impact everything else. And when it comes and you didn't ask me about diabetes in particular, but with diabetes, what we don't realize, everybody harps on food and exercise, but we don't realize that if you don't sleep well, your blood sugars are high. So if you're cutting back on food and you're in the gym exercising and you're taking your medication, but you can't sleep, the blood sugar is still high. And now you're frustrated because you're like, well, I'm doing exactly what the doctor told me and I'm still not getting good numbers. Right. So taking a bigger look of everything. So as part of our practice, we really want to find out from the patient what's going on in your life. How is work going? How are your kids going? How is your husband who is sick? How is your job? How, you know, all these things we want to find out what's happening so that we can now then begin to pinpoint that. Because if you come in and I keep giving you higher and higher doses of the medication, but I never fix the fact that you can't sleep, we're still going to have high numbers. Yeah, this is, this is exactly how I see us doctors, uh, and yeah, that's that's why that's why I created this on Abridge MD podcast. This is exactly this 
to know right. the patients so well that they are almost sort of part of your family. Yes. Uh, and yeah, and they and mm -hmm. they can share with you everything, right? Exactly. <laughs> because, because then you can really help them, accompany them. So that's wonderful. So don't you worry. I meant to ask you about diabetes <laughs> because <laughs> uh, <laughs> because this is a show on hope and um, and. Um, you know, there is so many studies that have come since I finished my fellowship that I cannot even count them. And um, and uh, uh, I recently uh, learned a lot about the new medications for diabetes. And I have to say, I um, I was so excited, like so excited when I saw the graph that are, that are that were showing those new medication in comparison to others and how they were help, able to help. Uh, patients lose weight and you know so on uh, so yes I do want to talk about diabetes because it sounds like um, a disease that we thought was very hard to control might be a little bit less hard to control so can you tell us I mean in you know however time you want or <laughs> however simple you want but why should we be hopeful about the diabetic man like diabetes management because it really sounds exciting from the science perspective it is very, very exciting. I mean, I guess the first, the first thing though is for us to understand the scope of the disease and the scope of the issue that we're seeing. Right? If you count all the people around the world, there are about four hundred and sixty million people, almost a half a billion people that suffer with diabetes, and we're talking now specifically type two diabetes. Right? So type one, you know, it it, it is there. It's a smaller po portion, and we hope that as we learn more that we could eventually get rid of the type one, right? That that's, that's the hope. That's what everybody wants. But type two diabetes is a disease process that continues to grow. And, and, and doc, the only, the interesting thing about this is that for years and years and years and years and years, we've been telling people about diabetes and how we think they should manage it. Right. But it's not working. Because the numbers keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I think, like we said earlier, and like your, your uh, podcast is doing, we've got to take a bigger look at the diabetes. It's more than just go home, exercise, eat right, and take these medications. Right? So that's the first thought. The other thing is people are here and, and we tell them, oh, this is a lifestyle disease. Right? So what do we mean when we say lifestyle and, and we, we, we give them the idea that you're doing this to yourself. And if you're doing this to yourself, by God, you need to go figure out what to do. Because I keep telling you what to do, and you're not doing it, so it must be your fault. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so what that does, it sets up in the patient's mind a scenario that's a no-win scenario. Because they go home, life is stressed, and they're doing things that we're telling them not to do. They know they're doing it. They feel guilty about doing it. And sometimes when patients come to my office, I look at them in the when they first show up and their head is hung, their shoulders are down. It's almost like they've been sent to the principal's office, <laughs> yeah. right? So we want to convince them, first of all, that this is a process. This is something that we are working on together. Now, with respect to the medications that are out there, one of the most amazing things that has happened is that we have started designing medications to help people deal with appetite. Now, of all the things that we could possibly ever have done <laughs> for diabetes, it's to help people deal with appetite. Because sometimes this appetite, this drive that we have 
has nothing to do with with the blood sugar. It has everything to do with the fact that I'm tired, that I'm in COVID, and I'm not connected with my family, that I don't have enough money, that mom is sick and dad is this, and right? So there are all these stresses. And how do we deal with stress in our society? We eat, <laughs> right? So sometimes dealing with that, and a lot of the medications that we have now have a component of them, not just are they treating blood sugar, but they're also now treating appetite and helping us deal with that issue. And it, it's amazing to see uh, some of the benefits. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much. I think that mm -hmm. um, I, I, I see this all of the time uh, with my patients where um, they almost feel guilty for having a disease and they're like, well, that, you know, you're just, uh, it's just, that's okay. You can still learn from it, but don't feel guilty there. That, that, that doesn't serve you. Guilt right. doesn't serve you. And, and there's no reason to feel guilty. Uh, but especially right. in diabetes and uh, obesity, uh, the, the obesity, you know, coming from France, I didn't have as many patients that were obese. And, um, and it actually took me a little bit of time to understand that, uh, to address the, uh, you know, to address weight loss, I had to tell my patient, hey, you look amazing. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with look. There is no reason to feel guilty or bad or anything. It's just, it's not great for your health. And, you know, how can I help you and make sure that, you know, you're living your best life? Right. Um, so right. since we're touching about, uh, on this, like, do you have maybe three things that you would recommend um, people in terms of mindset more than medication, really? Like how, mm -hmm. how would you, like what would be three tips that you would recommend your patients to start maybe just working on their best weight? On their best weight. Um, well, before I answer that question, I will tell you a quick story. I want to yes. tell you a quick story. Uh, so I'm sitting in, well, not sitting, but I'm, I'm in a room seeing a patient and we had finished, we had struggled to get her, a1c under control and finally at this visit where we were numbers are great a1c was down in the sixes right so yeah everybody we were excited and i turn around and i you know did my conclusion and i'm going out the room and she starts to cry and she's with her husband and so i come back uh to to the table and i said you know what's going on so her husband gets up puts his puts his hand on her shoulder and he said are you, you going to tell him are you going to talk to him and so now i'm curious right because i want to know what's going on and tears are coming down her face. And she says, um, I said, you know, what's happening? She said, Dr. Wood, I'm, I'm so excited that my blood sugars are better. But nobody talks about my weight. She says, I'm, ex I'm excited about the blood sugar. I mean, not, I'm not knocking that. We, we did a good job. But everybody's afraid to talk to me about my weight. She said, they say the same thing. Eat better and exercise. And this was a lady, she was about 350 pounds. Okay. She says, when I get ready to go to bed at night, she says, I, the lights are off. And I put my clothes on and I get into bed. And I don't look in the mirror because, and I want, to, I want you to hear the word she uses. She says, because when I look in the mirror, I think to myself, who is that creature that's looking back at me? As a part of her story and as a part of her visit, I changed how I practice medicine. Mm -hmm. Because 
we're, we, we are sometimes so focused on the metrics, right? <laughs> because the insurance company says, hey, you got to do this and you got to do this. And we're so focused on that that we sometimes miss the thing that the patient comes from. And, and it reminds me of, of going back to residency and medical school, right? Because what they say, when the person comes in, the chief complaint is what they say. Yes. Right. Sometimes we put, oh, patients here for hyper, you know, high blood pressure or patients here for thyroid or, or diabetes. But they came because their back hurts, yes. not because they want to treat their blood sugar. They came because they want to figure out how to lose weight. Right. So there are all these things. So the first thing that I talk to people about is I talk to them about the fact that they are worth every ounce of energy that they put in to improve themselves. Yes. So that's the first thing. You have got to have value in you. Um, there are 1,440 minutes in a day. And most of us, aside from sleeping, we give all of the rest of that to somebody else. To the family, to the yeah. job, to the church, to, you know, to the society, to the neighborhood, to the school board. I mean, so everybody else gets that. And everything that's left is what we get. Which usually is at the end of the day, we just pack, kind of pass out in bed, right? So the first thing is there's value in you and it's worth every ounce of energy and money and thought process that you put in. That's the first thing. Number two, you've got to begin surrounding yourself with what I call guardrails. And this idea comes from my son. He's 13 now. So one day we're driving down the road. I think he was maybe 10 or 12, 10 or 11, sorry. And he said, Daddy, why, you know, why are there guardrails? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, like nobody drives their car off the side of the road. And I said, no. I said, but if they drive the car off the side of the road, they're happy that there are guardrails, right? Because it keeps them back. A lot of us don't have guardrails. And what are guardrails? Guardrails are those things when you bump into them, they remind you of where you need to be. Right. So something's going on in your life and it just pushes you back. And so guardrails can be support groups. Guardrails can be, um, you know, a, a message on your phone, an alarm that goes off every two hours, every hour, you know, at the end of the day, beginning of the day that reminds you, hey, I need to be doing something, whatever that thing is. Right. Because if we're going to have change, we've got to have a, something that's going to help us. And a lot of us try to make changes, but we have no, no support, nothing that's going to help us kind of stay where we need to be. And I'm not talking about putting restrictions. I'm just talking about things and people around you that are going to help you kind of get into the direction that you want to be, right? And then the third thing is the why. And everybody, the why is like this big thing now, right? Mm -hmm. But the why is the thing that helps you in the morning, to remember what's going on. Most of us go to work. Most of us go to work and people think they go to work because they like their job. And I'm sure a lot of us love our jobs like you, doc, probably love your job. But I bet you for the person who loves their job, if somebody came to you last night and said, hey, man, I are a late gal. I've been watching you. I'm really interested in investing in your life. I like how you're doing. I like the thoughts that you have. I like what you want to do. And I have these $5 million that I'm just going to gift you. I bet you your job would get a call that morning. It says, hey, guys, uh, 
uh, I'm going to take a day off, <laughs> right? Because the point of the job was the money that yeah. you were getting, right? So that's the why. That's why when you are tired, when you have the sniffles, when something's going on with the family, the kid is sick, the husband is not doing well, you get up, you get in the car, and you drive to the job because the why that you have is pretty strong. And so the why in our lives are those things that are going to help us when we don't feel like checking blood sugars, when we don't feel like exercising, when we don't feel like not eating that chocolate cake, the why is the thing that helps us to get there. So those are the three things that I think people need to know that they're worth it, right? Cause it's, that's huge mm-hmm. that they've got to have guardrails support yeah. system. And number three, they've got to have a strong why and that's going to help them. I know that was a long discussion. Sorry. Oh, no, I love it. No, 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 no. I, this is amazing. This is very powerful and I'm going to use it. <laughs> so I, I could talk forever. Uh, I think uh, uh, there is so much to unfold here. Um, so where can we find you? Can, where can, uh, can our auditors find you? They can find me uh, at Dwayne Wood MD, at Dwayne Wood MD on all the social media platforms. So that's at D-W-A-I-N-W-O-O-D-E-M-D at the end of my name. And you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, on TikTok, um, and our website, DwayneWoodMD.com. Okay. And I will put those uh, in the handles uh, on uh, on the podcast. Awesome. And, uh, so, yeah. So, really, it's uh, it's been such a pleasure. I think um, I'm, I'm coming on your podcast in October. I think that's right. October. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk with you um, about my own story. But um, yeah, it's it's been such a pleasure. Do you want to maybe finish with, um, since it's such a, uh, the podcast is about hope. Do you want to mm-hmm. give us one history of hope? And I know that you've given us a lot of stories of hope. But I just right. wonder if you have one more to share. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. You know, hope is such a, is such a, a, a big thing that um, if, if we don't have hope, it, it kind of robs us of the energy to do other things. And uh, this is a simple story. Uh, I saw a patient once uh, years ago that comes into the office and she had been coming maybe two, three times. And the second time that she came to the office, she told me about her sister. They had gone here in Alabama. They've got these farms. You can go and pick cherries or whatever. And so she told me this story of the, the cherries that her and her sister had gone. And so now uh, we're in the practice and she was, I don't know, maybe 80, 80 years old at the time I met her. And so she years, 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 years now. So we've been here, what, 12, 13 years. Um, so five, six, seven years. So she's getting older. And so she starts to have problems with her memory. Starts to have problems with her memory. And we had had that conversation five, six years later, um, prior. And so we're in the office and we're talking about blood sugar and she is giving her family problems, right? Cause she doesn't want to take her medicine. She doesn't want to eat, you know, as she gets older. And so she comes into the room and I sit down with her and we're talking about blood sugars and she's just not listening to me. And I said to her, I said, you know, I wish I could go with you to pick some of those cherries and she said, oh, do you mean when I went with my sister? Now, all of a sudden, this lady that was supposedly non-compliant, right, 
she's having a conversation. And so we had this big conversation and she said, yeah, I guess I should, I should eat like they're telling me and I should. Right. But she felt she was out of control. And so simply having this conversation, reminding her of the simple story that she had gone to pick cherries with her sister years ago. Now, that sounds like a very simple, insignificant thing. But when we take time to listen to people, when we take time to engage with them, when we take time to connect, the, I mean, the, 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 it's limitless what we can do. We can make so much change. We can really impact people. And that's what we, and, uh, and, and as I understand, we're trying to do, you as well, is how do we help people to change? And the hope that we have is that we're human beings. And when we connect with each other, we are much, much stronger than when we're apart. Absolutely. That's a beautiful story to finish this episode. Again, so thank you so much, Dr. Wood, to, uh, to, to be here um, to have discussed with you, uh, with us, so many hopeful stories, uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing more of your podcast and uh, YouTube episodes. Uh, and uh, again, for the audience, I'm uh, Isabel Amig from Unabridged MD, where we provide you hope driven by science. Uh, please subscribe, like, comment, and share with your friends because sharing is caring. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye, Dr. Wood. Bye, everybody. <laughs>